This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. You're listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm your podcast host, Orlando Murrin, and on this show, we're going to talk about some brilliant recipes and we'll even be tasting some of Tom's own creations. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with Chef Tom Kerridge and food writer Rosie Burkett. And today we're talking about chocolate <laughs> now tom what's your favorite chocolate bar when you were a kid chocolate bar when i was a kid yeah uh i have to be honest it's probably still the same now uh cabbage cream egg i like it. I use it. the thing is they're all av- they're available all year round now whereas before when i was a kid it was just that period of easter where it was just like amazing so i'd look forward to it massively cabbage cream egg but they're, you're right, they're, they're the whole year round, like hot cross buns, you can get them every day of the year. Isn't that a strange thing? Oh, strange or good. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I think that's the same thing, isn't it? You know, like, that's a good thing you can get. I mean, it's not necessarily good for you, but it's good that you can get them all year round. And Rosie, what's yours? Well, originally, when, when I was a kid, it was um, an aero. But then we went camping uh, in France every summer and me and my sister had our minds blown by dime bars that my parents oh. picked up in a French hypermarket. And just, I mean, I still love them now. Absolutely delicious. They're Swedish, I think, aren't they? Yes, they are. But for some reason, they hadn't come over to the UK. So we only had them for the first time in France. But yeah, just smooth chocolate, crunchy, almond, brittle inside. Absolutely love it. But was it a flavoured aero to start with? Or was it just the chocolate one? They did have the mint ones. Mint one, the bright green filling. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lo- love an aero as well. Now, are you both uh, dark chocolate people or milk chocolate people? All of it. All of it? I've got to be honest, I think I, I do like dark chocolate in terms of 
cooking and the process and what it gives and for that kind of almost food snobbery bit of you know the flavors that you look for profile from chocolate it's like go but if you're looking for a sweet treat it's milk chocolate like because it's everything else that goes with it milk chocolate goes with the flavorings and you know whether it's fruit and whether it's whether it's honeycomb whether it's caramel whether milk chocolate but if you're looking for something that works specifically from a from a chef and a food point of view dark chocolate is the one that you use all the time to cook with it really delivers the punch 100 doesn't yeah it? it's yeah. Big, it's big it's flavorsome and it has those flavor profiles that you look for milk chocolate hasn't really got flavor profiles it's just kind of like chocolatey and sweet which yeah. is i mean it's not a bad thing i'm not making it's milk creamy chocolate, but, yeah well. exactly yeah, yeah. We go on and on about 70% chocolate in in the cooking, 70% cocoa solids. Uh, I'm never quite sure what that means. Does it matter what it means? No, I think it doesn't really matter. Who cares what it means? What it, what, what, but what it, what it, in terms of technicality, but what it, what you're looking for is seventy percent in terms of strength, strength of flavour, strength of, uh, um, because the less milk chocolate is around about fifty, fifty five percent, I think, uh, so forty five to about fifty five percent. Because it, it, and white want, chocolate's very low, indeed, very low. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is that, white chocolate doesn't have any cacao solid in it. It's all it's cocoa all butter. butter. So is that naught percent chocolate? Do you think? Uh, in terms of cacao, yeah, it's right. just the cacao butter. Oh dear! Now I'm getting into really difficult territory here because we've had a, a question from social media about what's the difference difference between cocoa and cacao from Mr. Iron Mike. So here am I already struggling with my percentages and my cacaos and cocoa. Are we going to get uh, into scientific deep water here? Do you think? So, I uh, cocoa is where people are looking at it as powder. In terms of powdered sense, cacao, I think, is probably in terms of it as, as a raw state. I'm guessing. Yeah, I feel like cocoa is more processed than cacao. Yes, yeah, uh, the powder. The cacao is the so the ca- ca- chocolate comes from the cacao pods, um, from the bean inside the pods, and the bean is made up of um, the ni- the bean is where the cacao butter and the cacao solids is. So cocoa, I guess, must be further down the process, but yeah, that's the process. Cocoa is the powder that you then use to make pastry, or you can drink in chocolate, or whatever else. It's, it's the powder. I'm glad we sorted that out because I've got an easy one now. <laughs> can one of our listeners, uh, Luna Bajestic, has said, uh, can you substitute choc- hot chocolate powder for cocoa? Yeah, we, yeah. Or in terms of what do you mean in like, cooking? In cooking. Hot chocolate. You wouldn't hot, use hot chocolate powder in cooking, I don't think. No, because that's it's got, got added. It's got the sugar. It's got added sugar and, yeah. and milk okay. solids and everything. It, like it, it's kind of that's like a drinking chocolate. So, drinking Majestic, chocolate is different to cocoa powder. No, yeah. no, don't do it. Is what what we're yeah. saying. No, just get one. some good quality cocoa. Powder. Now, is chocolate better the more you pay for it? Because some of it is stratospheric prices. Some of the single estate chocolates, and you can go up to a hundred hundred percent cocoa solids, can't you? If you really want to, but yeah. Uh, well, like Rosie was saying then, it, it all comes from a bean and a process, and it's a little bit like coffee, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, fair trade and in terms of where it comes from and in terms of um, the process that it goes through and the, the heart and soul and the, it's not all the same. And a lot of chocolate bars, um, so-called chocolate bars that you eat is confectionery, you know, there's very, very little in the way of chocolate in it. It's kind of like chocolate flavoured fat 
basically, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, the, yeah, there is a big, big difference in the way that it is um, uh, harvested, processes, manufactured, where it comes from. It, it's The best way to look at it is very similar to coffee and coffee beans. Yeah, because yeah. it's an agricultural product at the end of the day. It's, you know, you've got to think about the process in, involved in, in harvesting, drying, fermenting before it even gets to the chocolate maker. Yeah. Um, Rosie, do you eat chocolate on its own? Yes, so much. I actually, I don't know if there's any listeners out here who are, who are like this, but I tend to eat chocolate more on its own than I do in a dessert. So if it, when it comes to dessert, I'm more likely to order something fruity and creamy, whereas with chocolate, I, I just like eating chocolate. And Tom, do you eat chocolate on its own ever? Yeah, every now and then I'll have, actually, this is where... It, it it falls into two categories for me. Every now, we've got uh, quite often. My wife Beth will buy some very nice dark chocolate that we keep at home uh, in the fridge, and I'll have it, it. Like a lot of people say, it's got to be at room temperature. I quite like the cold snap of mm. chocolate. Like yeah. I quite like the texture that we'll have with a a, a, a late night cup of coffee or tea. You know, like as a as a, as a treat. Uh, you know, late at night, like one of those special things, or chocolate. Is the confectionery bars, which are different, fall into a category of uh, I'm driving, it's very late at night, it's two o'clock in the morning, I've still got an hour and a half to go, I need a massive boost, I need a sugar hit, and that's when I that's when I grab for one of those, which is which is like bad, but it, it means I get home safe and sane. <laughs> yeah, does the job. <laughs> yeah. Some people say that it cheers them up, that it alters their mood chocolate, but I, I don't eat it on its own, so I'm not sure whether that would work or not. I, I only eat it in things. So, Rose, do you find it cheers you up? No, you use it med- I mean, it's a joyous, ju- joyous just- thing, having a, having a bit of chocolate, definitely. And um, I tend the, the way I tend to have it is after I've, had a, after I've cooked something at home, you know, on a weeknight, I'm not going to make a dessert um, usually. So I, I like to keep a nice bar of chocolate in the cupboard away from my dog because the amount of times we've had to take him and don't give your dogs chocolate. They, it's toxic for dogs, guys. Um, but yeah, keep, keep the chocolate in a cupboard. And then after I've had a meal, when I just want that sweet, something sweet, I have a nice um, few chunks of that lovely chocolate. Usually a dark chocolate, to be honest. It's a very peculiar food because it's solid and crunchy, as you said, when you eat it. And then it melts in your mouth, doesn't it? That's the magic of it. There are many things that do that. I suppose butter would do that, wouldn't it? But we don't help ourselves to a bar of butter, do we, very often? Maybe maybe you do on a a long car journey, Tom. (laughs) I don't know. No, no, not not straight a bar bar of butter. (laughs) Sink your teeth into a nice bar of butter. (laughs) Fresh from the, crunchy from the fridge. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are lots of different sorts of styles of chocolate, apparently. There's your French chocolate, your Belgian chocolate, your Swiss chocolate. And now, of course, our British chocolate. Do you have any preferences or do you just have the one that you know the name of or that you, you're familiar with or work with? No, there's some, there are some very, very good chocolates out there. And, and, and as you come across, I mean... It really does depend on it because, it, again, if you want those bar, the confectionery bar, that's, you know, that's kind of the reason why they always contain like a filling and a biscuit and a crunch and a thing is because it, it, it's from a, making it accessible, a price point that's accessible. It's, you know, it's not just well looked after, beautifully sourced chocolate. Some a, a British company, there's an amazing Pump Street chocolate are fantastic. They're a, a, a great chocolatier, but we don't grow the chocolate here <laughs> we, no, we're no. importing the chocolate and then and then it's ground and mixed here the beans are, 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 are pureed and, and turned into chocolate here so it's how our chocolatiers here what make it work so you know it's, it's one of those um we're probably a little bit behind in terms of how we view it that 
like the rest of you know continental Europe, where you know France and Belgium and the Swiss have been very famous for they've chocolate. been at it for a couple of hundred years, exactly, they? Yeah. exactly. But we're actually catching up. We're doing very, very well. There's some great chocolatiers that are working in this country as well, and people not just making the chocolate at the chocolate bar, but then chocolatiers that somebody like William Curley, who's gone on and, and creates fantastic chocolates using a, a amazing couverture to make beautiful, beautiful chocolates. So, you know, we, we're very, very good at it, but there's not as many great chocolatiers or, or chocolate manufacturers in this country. Not yet, anyway. Not yet, no. No. There's some really nice new young bean-to-bar chocolate companies um, coming up in the UK, like Tom mentioned, there's Pump Street. And then in East London, we've got um, a guy called Philip Landers who is doing bean-to-bar chocolate and he's working with farmers in Nicaragua, uh, Venezuela and Guatemala and he gets the beans directly from them um, and does the whole process himself in this little studio just off Broadway Market. And he was working before with Paul A. Young, who is a really amazing chocolate chocolatier um, and he's been quite influential in helping people um, get enthusiastic about chocolate in the UK. I was going to mention him because he does the most amazing flavourings in his chocolates and do you have any favourite flavours that go with chocolate or ones that you dislike? Well I mean mean, with there was quite a few chefs that went through the process I suppose about 10 years ago of putting uh, pushing boundaries and pushing boundaries of flavour and doing things like curried chocolate Oof. and doing things that I yeah oh. I mean yeah exactly exactly and quite bizarre flavour profiles and things that would try and um, see what would, would happen if it's sweets but I, I have to be honest with you the the favourites are always the ones that are, are well recognised you know everybody loves salt caramel with it you know mm. a salt caramel and chocolate together is just perfect it's beautiful Turkish delight a lot of people I, I mean either love or hate it but for me I that kind, yeah, yeah that kind of it doesn't always have to be that jellified bright pink kind of like rose watery but that those flavours are just absolutely delicious honeycomb that goes with it and texture as well texture is something that's always really good I think if you're looking for chocolate that melts and it's smooth and it's luxurious and all that but then you want those bits of crunch that mm. bit of texture that bit of taste something that that's fantastic that goes with it they're absolutely lovely and different chocolates work with different flavor profiles so if you think a really bitter dark chocolate is one thing and then you have quite a harsh and astringent and strong flavor of something like a raspberry the two of those together are quite they almost fight each other so you want that kind of like bitter and sour flavor sour sweetness that you get from raspberries going with more of a milk chocolate or a white chocolate. Mm. When you start thinking of fruits that, you know, you start looking at strawberries and white chocolate, that makes more sense to me than strawberries and dark chocolate, whereas they're bitter, strong flavours that push each other. So it is chocolate, to work with it, you have to try and find those flavour balances. And what about um, savoury chocolate? Uh, I know I know that <clears throat> one of the most popular of the chilli con carne recipes on BBC Good Food is uh, a chilli chili with chocolate in it, which has a a nice bit of 70% chocolate shoved in at the end. But people put chilli on chocolate. They sprinkle chilli or, or they oh, mix yeah, it I in. Oh, yeah, I quite like chilli chocolate. And I noticed that there are, in in BBC Good Food, some Japanese-style brownies with soy sauce in them. That got me thinking. I could, I could see how that soy would work as just kind of a, that salt kick, a little bit like salt caramel with, with, with you know, quite a bit of sweetness that's going on. I could definitely see how mm. that works. And yeah, you're right, chilli with chocolate. Like, we, we do quite a lot of that. We use a lot of chilli. Uh, we use a lot of chocolate on plenty of our dishes in terms of savoury scents. We use it, actually, I use it a lot with venison. Mm. So we, we make venison, um, we make a venison chilli, funny enough, in the coach. And, and on top of that, we grate 100% 
cocoa, 100% chocolate on the top. So it's got this lovely bitterness and some grated lime zest and it kind of brings everything to life. And if you think there's a, you know, it's a classic French sauce of venison with with chocolate sauce and, and, and it is like a red wine sauce base with juice. And then instead of adding butter at the end, like you would Monte au beurre, a French classic French sauce where you melt butter gently into it, you melt bitter chocolate into the red wine sauce and it really just brings it to life and gives it this another layer of flavor and it's not that sweetness you're not associating the chocolate as a sweet chocolate bar here you're using the bitterness the bitterness mm. of that dark chocolate that works so so well with venison and that's 100 percent that you use for a savory dish yeah, you can use 70 percent plus yeah with the savory dish 70 percent plus but a good yeah. one not not the one that you would buy in the high street with the red packet does that make sense that one's yeah. quite it's, it's not a very good cooking chocolate that at all <laughs> it needs to be a chocolate that has that is expressing some of those flavors because there's so many flavor compounds in chocolate more than there are in wine so if you're using it as an ingredient in a culinary way you know you want something that's really bringing through all of that that spectrum of different flavors and the acidity that you can get with some really really fantastic chocolates still to come on bbc good foods podcast with tom kerridge what are those called uh, the, the can- canals not gobbets sorry canals of rum cream I've never heard it called a gobbit. <laughs> well, I mean, you can put, it, put that on your menu if you I, like, I, did, I will, but I don't think anyone will order it. <laughs> now, Does how... anybody want a gobbit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Well, talking now about sweet dishes, which are the main reason um, that you would you would be having chocolate in your kitchen, apart from eating it because you like it, Rosie. Um, we've got some interest from uh, social media, particularly Ellie Harvey, about tempering chocolate. Now, there's a lot of talk about tempering, and it can be quite tricky. We've got a video how to do it on on the bbcgoodfood.com, but do you actually need to do it? What would be the point of a a person at home doing it? Well, you you need to temper if you're making your own chocolate in a mould, if you're making a chocolate that you want to look glossy and to snap, then you then you need to temper it. If you want it shiny and snappy, shiny and snappy, snappy, because, it needs to be tempered. Yeah, because it's all about the crystals in the in the chocolate and how they how they form. So you you do need to do it if you're making that kind of chocolate. But it is quite tricky to do at home. the The video on Good Food shows shows the seed process, which is where you melt uh, two thirds of 
of it in a bain-marie and then you add, um, you, you bring that up to about 55 and then you add in um, the other third of the non-melted chocolate and then that brings the temperature down because it's all about controlling the temperature yeah. um, so that the crystals set in the right way. But if you don't want to bother with tempering, you can make, you know, hand-rolled truffles, you can make a ganache and then you can make hand-rolled truffles, which is much easier. Yeah, I mean, tempering is incredibly important when it comes to making dipped chocolate sweets or uh, setting something in a mold because it does give a beautiful shine and, and a crunch when you put your when you you know you put your fork through something and it cracks and it it shatters. It is from a professional point of view. Yes, we temper chocolate all the time for for our molds and whatever else that we do. Um, and and it sounds quite complicated, but it is just a case of hiring the temperature, lowering it down so that the, the crystals in and the fats kind of combine so that when they reset. I mean, you'll see it sometimes when um, I'm sure we've all opened a chocolate bar and it's kind of got this white pasty, looks like it might be off on it's the edge. Yeah, 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 it's blue. And that's exactly, this. that's kind of like, I, I mean, I suppose it, it, the best way of describing that is, is a little bit like tempering chocolate in reverse. What's happened is the chocolate bar has got warm, too mm. warm. The fats have kind of separated out from the crystals and then and, and some, you put it back in the fridge then <laughs> to reset. And, you know, all you're doing is kind of altering that process. The chocolate's not off it's there. It still but tastes good, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texturally, yeah. it's a bit different. Texturally, it can be a bit weird because that there is a separation of the crystals and the fats. But actually, in terms of um, the way that you, you piece it together, it, it, it's, it's something that you need to do to make things look shiny and finish. But you don't really so need to So it's a kind do. of connoisseur's thing. So do it if you really want to, if you're going to make, if you if you want to display shiny, beautiful chocolate. Yeah, but otherwise uh, go to a posh restaurant and buy some really posh chocolates <laughs> and let somebody else do the hard work where they're all shiny and immaculate. Yeah. And do, you, know. you can actually buy spray varnish for chocolate as well. And Can just, you? Just so you know, yeah. <laughs> I saw What's, it in France. Oh, really? Yeah, spray on like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. God, that save a lot of time. If, I knew, if only I'd known now, that 20 years ago. Now, this You wouldn't is, need to have hired that pastry chef. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Lucy J. Day has written in saying that she makes chocolate ganache. And actually, let's just at that point just say what ga- chocolate ganache is, because these words are potentially confusing. What do you understand by chocolate ganache? So it's an emulsification of chocolate with a liquid... Um, usually cream. Usually cream, but you you can do some really nice water ganaches actually, yeah. which, which bring through a lot more of the flavour of the chocolate. So Lizzie's ganache it seizes. So and that's that horrible thing that happens where you want to weep yeah. because it sort of, it turns into like a lump of tar and you're stirring and the more you stir, the more granular it seems to get. I think that's happened to us all. Tom's nodding away. He might not actually declare it in words, but he is nodding. It has happened. No, no, no. To yeah, him. of course it does. The biggest reason of that is the chocolate's got too hot. So the chocolate's too hot, and then what you want to do is just gentle melt the chocolate and have the whatever liquid is that you're adding to it is pretty much the same temperature, so yeah. the two are smoothly combined. Also, buy the best chocolate you can because some of the other chocolates that you're melting have an emulsification agent in it that holds them together that doesn't necessarily always work at mm. the best when you're melting it down to make a ganache. So the better the chocolate... The, the, the more pure it is and have the two whatever liquid that you're adding to the melted chocolate pretty much at the same temperature and you won't go wrong. There's something that you can do to save the day I have found if you've got a bowl of seized up chocolate and you, you think you've got to throw it away is it sounds really weird but you can very gently stir in a couple of tablespoonfuls of warmish water and you, you stand a good chance of being able to bring it back. It's slightly watered down chocolate but it's got two tablespoons of water in it yeah. but it does 
sometimes bring it back. And if you can subtract a couple of tablespoons of water from somewhere else in the recipe, then then you're 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 sailing. So that's just a, a kind of backstop. But ideally, don't don't let your chocolate seize. Yes, what you're doing then is essentially it's like saving a hollandaise sauce if you split yeah. a hollandaise or a mayonnaise. It's the yeah. emulsification of the fat with, with, with together with 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 the uh, the rest of the ingredients. That's basically yeah. that's what you're doing there. The other thing that can cause it is if you're melting chocolate. And I want to talk about melting chocolate right now. If you're melting chocolate over water and you get splash some of the water mm. into the chocolate, it can cause it to seize. Do you melt your chocolate over water, Rosie? For it, that reason, you do. Yeah, I don't actually, I don't have a microwave actually, so um, I, I definitely use a bain-marie. Do you hear that, everyone? Rosie doesn't have a microwave. How do you... It's not like... a statement, it's just I just <laughs> never got around to getting one. <laughs> Tom, you have a microwave, I hope. At my house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got enough room. I get, yeah. I get, They're I, tiny, Rosie. Have a microwave. They're so ugly. <laughs> we'll put it in a cupboard. Mine's in, mine's in a cupboard, actually. In a cupboard? Yeah, it's in a cupboard. Do you have a PowerPoint in your cupboard? Yeah, it's, well, it's a microwave cupboard. <laughs> I mean, it's a cupboard for the microwave. and then, But you don't have to look at it then. Um, so you don't microwave your chocolate to melt it. Do you, do you at home, well, you do, I don't know whether you melt chocolate at home. But no, I'll always do, do it, I always do it on a bain-marie. Really? Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll always do it control. Because you're worried about overheating it. Yeah, you've got control. Then you've yeah. got you you have controlled heat that's coming from the bottom. You can gently stir a microwave. Is you have to keep opening and closing the door and give it a yeah. stir. And like it, you do. To be honest, yeah. that's something with the microwave does not make life easier. Yeah, I I just find it okay, but I do it in like twenty second bursts or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, you keep you're having to open and close your cupboard yes. door as yeah. well as the microwave door. It's all getting too complicated. <laughs> I think Ban Marie sometimes sounds a bit more intimidating. It's literally, you know, it's a bowl with a couple of a, a, a pan with a couple of inches of boiling water in it, and then just a bowl over it, you know, suspended over it, and it's so easy to do. You yeah. don't even have to have it. You can pour in boiling water, put the put the bowl over the top and don't have any heat on it and yeah. just leave it. Just let that natural steam and it will just gently melt it. Yeah, there's something that can make that, confound that bain-marie thing, which is depending on what your bowl's made of, sometimes it can really heat fast. So if you're making an egg sauce in a, in a bain-marie and it's in a metal bowl, it's it can catch just like that because it's metal. It's going to get the get to boiling point immediately. But if you have a great thick, chunky Pyrex bowl, for instance, in there, the heat doesn't get through. So I think you need to experiment with your bowls. What bowl do you melt your chocolate in, Rosie, normally over this bain-marie? It's a metal bowl, actually. A metal bowl. Yeah, so you just because that's my go-to bowl that I use for cooking is a metal bowl. Um, that you I have. have just one. You have no, no microwave and one bowl. I've got about four metal bowls, <laughs> um, and I just use a metal bowl. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, truffles are a really good beginner's chocolate thing to make. How would you flavour truffles? Uh, you could use a lovely um, pinch of nice crunchy sea salt. In them or on on the edge of them? Uh, in the ganache, just a little pinch in the ganache, and then maybe a flake on top would be nice. And ro- roll them around. Roll um, them in uh, cocoa powder. Yeah, you could roll them in cocoa powder. It's quite messy to work with chocolate, isn't it? Do you wear little latex gloves, Rosie? No, I don't. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Never. No, I, I bet. I bet you in your restaurant, Tom. They wear they wear latex gloves to deal with the chocolate, don't they? To be honest, we don't actually. We do something quite different for our petty fours from, for chocolates like that. We actually do. We we roast um, white chocolate. Mm. So we do put white chocolate in a great big tray and we bake it in the oven so it caramelizes. And what happens is the natural sugars in it turn it into a little bit like. Um, 
kind of like that flavor Caramac. of caramac. Yeah, so you, you roast it and keep stirring it, and stirring goodness. it, and then so white, white chocolate is actually good. White chocolate is very good at roasting, and, and it, you just get this wonderful kind of like caramelized white chocolate flavor. And then we set it up, and then we break it up into pieces and, and dust it into um, with some ice and sugar and corn flour, kind of dusting like you would like a marshmallow. So it's these roasted, lovely little chocolate pebbles that we do, roasted white chocolate, and they're they're delicious. It's a really it's a really nice way of doing of doing a petty four. It, it works really nice. and white chocolate grills really nicely as well. So if you've My got a white goodness. chocolate, put it under it, it blisters like um, a little bit like doing macaroni cheese on top. Like it, will, but but it's got to be a good white chocolate. If it's a, if it's one of the cheaper ones, uh, like the kid that wears glasses, what happens? It normally splits out. So you want a good one, and you could just literally put it on to a metal tray, stick it under the grill, and it will caramelize this lovely burnt top. Take it out, put it in the fridge, let it set. Try eating it then. It's amazing. What, and you just snap it into bits? Exactly. Eat it then. It's amazing. It's, it's, you, know, like, you know like when you put a marshmallow on a campfire and you toast it and you've got that lovely bitterness on it? It's amazing. It's the same sort of thing. It works beautifully. White chocolate like that. Tom, I have to ask you, where do you get these unusual ideas from? Because you, you, you tend to be a bit adventurous and experimental and things that one wouldn't... I wouldn't dream of putting white chocolate under a grill. Would you, Rosie? I'm in the world of food with a lot of people and I meet a lot of chefs all the time and we're all... Everybody world travels and everybody talks to each other and everybody says, that, oh, I saw this and I've done that and what have you tried this and what... So it's, it's, you know, it's my life. And then also, you know, there's 20 chefs at the Hand of Flowers. There's another 12 up at the coach. There's another 30 in London. There's another 20 up in Manchester as a group of people as a group of chefs there's a lot of people that spend their time in and amongst food so we're constantly picking up ideas talking to other restaurants and other people finding out things and also we're never shy of speaking and bringing in experts you know bring in a pastry consultant bring in somebody you know grab ideas you know the, the world of food is amazing not once do we profess to know it all like you have to you go out there and you chase things and you find things out about stuff as much as possible and you know and then you hopefully can translate that into the into a dish or something that works really nicely. Are there some things that are so secret that you wouldn't tell us that no. you do in your kitchen? No, nothing, nothing. nothing. Oh, there they, must they, be some some that only you know how to do, which no. all the other chefs have said. How does Tom Kerry do no, that? No, nothing. It's all practice. It's all practice. It's all practice. It's all practice. And that there is nothing, there is nothing magical about what we do apart from rehearsed and well planned. And that and that is it. You know, you, you'll see. So you know, the Hand and Flowers cookbook coming out this year, and 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 it has it is seventy recipes of everything that. Uh, the recipes that we have done to that level and they are the exact recipes so if you want to cook them you can go and cook them but it doesn't matter if somebody else is cooking them they have to do it with the practice and the rehearsal and whatever there's so many different things there's no point in being guarded about it if so, if a young chef can pick up one of those recipes look at it and all those recipes they're the recipes are never set in stone like you can practice a dish and you can make it three or four times you go do you know what would make it nicer if mm. i did this or i made it my style or i did that so they're never they're always there to adapt and grow and change and develop there's no such thing as an original recipe right everything has come from somewhere that has changed and been adapted 
adapting and growing and it's a constant growing thing. So no, there's 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 no secrets. It's just a process. And every cook brings his or her individual touch to it when they're making it anyway. Exactly. No one makes, makes the same recipe two ways. No, exactly that. And that's why we do the white chocolate pebbles at the Hand of Flowers rather than beautiful, shiny, tempered chocolate with wonderful, you know, amazing stenciled on things. and Because it just doesn't suit our style if we were to do chocolates there it wouldn't be like in this beautiful chocolate trolley that comes to the table and that's for an amazing two or three star french style restaurant that's outstanding and mind-blowing and one of the you know we're a poet if you've had if you've come to us and you've had the terrine then you've had steak and chips and you've had creme brulee why all of a sudden will we do something complete it feels like so actually no white chocolate pebbles that's perfect I think we deserve something to eat. And we have <laughs> waiting in the wings, about to be brought by our friend Ben, a dark chocolate pudding with malted cream. And this is a Tom Carriage recipe of bbcgoodfood.com. Oh and I have to say, it looks absolutely beautiful. It is winking I mean, you say it us. looks beautiful, but that looks like, I mean, honestly, that looks like... if. If we eat all of that, we're going to be sick. <laughs> we're never going to want to see chocolate again in our lives. It's a chocolate tart case with a chocolate uh, filling, and then on top, chocolate and caramel filling. Chocolate filled. and caramel filling, and then little, don't forget the ca- frosted yeah. pistachios mm. for, for health purposes, and some gobbets of. Except they're called what are those called? The canels, not gobbets. Sorry, canels of rum cream. I, I've never heard it called a gobbet. <laughs> well, I mean, you can put, it on, put that on your menu if you I, like. I, did, I will, but I don't think anyone will order it. Doesn't sound <laughs> Now, Does anybody want to gob it? <laughs> uh, uh, What's the pastry made of? Uh, it's, a, it's a chocolate pastry, so it's oh. got it's got cocoa um, it's got cocoa through it. So it's kind mm. of like a, a dark chocolate pastry. Shall I shall I be so, mum and I'm do some watch slices? This because we, we've only got a, a piece. When when oh, Jack wow, does the food, you. we get spoons and forks and plates. But we've just got pa- pieces of paper here. So there we're going to have Orlando. to. Thank you very much. We're going to have to eat it like wild animals. We're just going to have to eat it off. Rosie, oh, do you want you. a big thank gobbet you, or a little <laughs> gobbet? <laughs> thank you, thank you, Ben. Medium. A medium-sized gobbet. Rosie, just before you tuck into that, because I know that you usually take a mouthful just as I ask you a question. Just as a fellow food writer, I wanted to ask you if that thing has ever happened to you where someone has made one of your recipes and and presented it to you and then said, that's your recipe. And you look at it and you think it's totally unrecognisable. It's not at all what I meant. Actually made it for me in real life. made it for you. You go out to dinner and someone says, I made it. And then they break it to you. They've made your recipe and it's not how you wanted it to be. That happened. Hasn't actually hasn't. Ha- that hasn't happened to me, but um, I did recently uh, go around to my best friend's uh, house to cook one of my one of my chocolate recipes with her son, um, my godson, and it had been built up as this big amazing thing. Rose is coming to make you the rhubarb and white chocolate blondies that you love so much, and and it was this big thing. And I got there, and he just was so disinterested the whole time. I was basically having to sell it to him constantly. Um, he couldn't, he was much more interested in his slime than he was in me cooking for him. <laughs> so did, that was a bit of a letdown. Did he like the result? Did he like eating he, them? He wasn't bothered. Did, no, he oh. wasn't bothered, but but everyone, everyone else enjoyed them. No, it's very sad. But yeah, it was an anti-climax. Now, I want to talk about chocolate cookies. Tom, do you make chocolate cookies with your son? They're a good one to make. I've got to be honest, because you can make you make the dough. It's quite easy to do. You can eat it raw. It's a lush raw. <laughs> but also, when you cook them, 
the, the more you undercook them, the kind of the, the chewier they You want them crispy around the outside and chewy in the middle, and that's what you want, and they're lovely. So, yeah, cookies are a good one to make at home. We also we also do them at the pubs. We do them for the room so that when the guests come into the rooms, they have fresh cookies that are uh, that, I mean, it's just delicious. They're such a simple thing to do, but are really nice. It's that peculiar thing about chocolate that it, it, undercooking it makes it taste wonderful. There isn't anything else that's good undercooked. I mean, you wouldn't want undercooked chicken, would you? Definitely no, but, but chocolate for some reason, in, in, if it, the middle is slightly soft, it's well, you better, want, it? I wouldn't mind an undercooked steak, but an undercooked steak and an undercooked chocolate, they don't go together. That's <laughs> definitely the one. <laughs> they don't go together. But yeah, I mean, there's something, that gooiness, that richness, the, the flavours, the, the thing of something, feeling that it's, it, I mean, it makes it feel double naughty. I mean, it's naughty, but it, then when it's got that kind of gooey flavour to it, I mean, it's it's delicious. Do you make chocolate cookies, Rosie? Mm, I, I've I've made chocolate cookies before. I really I'm a big fan of kind of dark the rye cookies with um, a little bit of sea salt, and they're sort of lovely and um, crumbly and and yeah, quite undercooked in the middle. Delicious. Um, we've talked before about brownies. We did a whole podcast on brownies which you can find and we've done a whole podcast about cakes i'm not going to talk about chocolate cakes but um easter's always around it's around all year isn't it but (laughs) even more so now so what do we think about easter eggs what would be your ideal easter egg tom I mean, it goes back again to cabbage cream egg. I'm never going to swerve it. It's great. Would they you... do. They do a nice caramel one. They do like they do a nice caramel. And the dream as a kid, when you get the big egg, right? Yeah. That would be full of the fun. Never is though, is it? That's the problem. They're like hollow, and then you get the you get Pack the sweet it. exactly. Yeah. You could get a hollow egg and then get your son or your wife to fill it up with loads of cream eggs. Yeah, that would for you could that I mean, would, that would be, do the trick. I mean it would be delicious. I mean Easter's great and I mean it is fantastic but again I mean the problem is you get more than one Easter egg, don't you? And you, so you're eating chocolate for like a week, week and a half, and it's still there. And then you, then you have to start hiding it around the house because otherwise you eat it, and then you just have to get it. Like it, it's, it's, I love it, but it's painful because you know it's bad for you. I don't mind being bad for a day. However, like when, if, if there's three or four Easter eggs that have turned up at the house and you just got... It's, it, 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 it prolongs the pain of going, I shouldn't be eating this. Yeah. It messes with the head. It's a bit <laughs> like after Christmas when you've eaten so much and you've drunk so much and you've got boxes of chocolates and chocolate coins and it yeah. just goes on for weeks and weeks yeah. into January when you're kind of like, oh, I really should stop eating sweets and chocolate now. Will you be making Easter eggs this Easter, do you think? Rosie? I won't, no. I, I'm not planning on making an Easter egg. Um, I love the idea People of it. People enjoy, they do the mar- they do the marbles and they do them with all special effects I'd love and to, coloured Easter eggs, don't they? I'd love and to they, give it a go hits. sometime. Mm. Yeah, I ma- imagine it's deeply satisfying to make your own Easter egg. And then finally, can we just wind up with a reassuring cup of hot chocolate? How do you make your hot chocolate, Rosie? Well, I have actually quite enjoyed making hot chocolate with a nice oat milk, um, which actually works rather well. It, it doesn't work in tea, but you can get away with making uh, a non-dairy Is that hot because, chocolate. Because you try to not have, you prefer not to have dairy. I or love you dairy. Just like I, I really love dairy, and I eat lots of butter and milk and cream. But where I can, I try and you know substitute it. And with something like hot chocolate, it actually works really well with oat milk. Um, if you get a good quality oat milk, and then I like a little bit of maple syrup to sweeten it and a really good quality cocoa powder 
Absolutely delicious. We've got a recipe online for making it in a slow cooker, which I think would be great fun if you've got plenty of time. Mm. And Tom, how does ha- that work? Uh, I think you you leave the flavours to meld for many an hour and mm. then come home and enjoy it after Ooh. watching a football game or rugby game or whatever it is cold and whatever you need a cup of hot chocolate after. And your 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 dream hot chocolate, Tom. Oh, I quite like Rosie's idea there with oat milk. I, I I've, um, my niece actually introduced me to she made one with coconut milk which was delicious mm, so it worked yeah. really really so it's kind of like a liquid bounty bar and mm. that was delicious so the ideas of just getting I suppose those extra layers of flavour perfect but I mean if you get great chocolate lovely warm milk mix the two together a little bit of sweetness sweetness that comes from golden syrup would be really good on mm. that mm. on that joyously chocolatey note stick marshmallows in it and all <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Chef Tom and food writer Rosie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. And to find out more about the recipes we've been talking about, go to bbcgoodfood.com. Good Food.